Well, good morning, Hope. It's good to see you this morning. Well, I'm glad you're seeing us, and uh, uh, we're so glad that you're here. If this is your first time joining us for our online campus, my name is Rick. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope Church. I'm joined by Pastor Jeff, our lead pastor, and uh, this morning is our anniversary. Happy 30th, Jeff. Thanks, Rick. You too. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's amazing. 30 years. Um, I, I feel a little like the uh, the Drew Brees of pastors, you know, I'm uh, <laughs> like, how, how did I get to be this old and still in the game? Um, God is good. I wanted to just say a quick thank you um, for allowing me the privilege of leading this congregation over these 30 years. Um, you folks have been so supportive and encouraging, and uh, it has been a joy. It has been a challenge. It's been an adventure. And a lot of times, it's been just a lot of fun. Mm. And so Marilyn and I and uh, our family are so grateful uh, for this privilege of uh, leading this congregation. And uh, as long as you'll have us and the bishop will keep appointing us, we plan on being here for uh, some time to come. I feel like I still got uh, some vision uh, for this church and where God is going to be leading us next. So I'm excited to be celebrating 30 years, but I'm really looking forward uh, to the things that are, be, uh, that are next out on the horizon. This isn't the celebration no. we planned, though. Uh, Certainly isn't. No. You know, we had <laughs> talked about uh, doing some cool things. One of the things we talked about doing was uh, we were going to rent an auditorium yeah. at a high school and have the whole congregation, one service in one place, everybody together. That didn't happen. No, yeah. um, so, you know, it, but that's probably what everybody's been saying, right? Mm -hmm. Everything that you planned in this year um, isn't what you had planned. Yep. And uh, that can be really discouraging and really difficult. But life goes on. And people continue to move forward and to, and to live their lives. Uh, weddings are still happening. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got a wedding coming up. In a, in a few uh, weeks, yes. Mm -hmm. First COVID wedding I did, we did it right here. It was uh, Ron and Diane Hextall's daughter and uh, fiancé. And uh, so we did the wedding right here. It was supposed to happen for them in uh, Banff in, uh, in Canada, uh, but because of the virus and so forth, they ended up doing it here, live streamed it so their friends and family around the country and up in Canada could see it. That was kind of That's great. Yeah. good for them, mm -hmm. right? Uh, baptisms continue to go on. In fact, uh, right after the service, uh, we have a baptism of a family, uh, their, their child. The neat thing about this is the family found us online. So they started worshiping with hope um, as after the pandemic uh, had started. So they're brand new. Um, and uh, so I'm looking forward to actually meeting them. Meeting, meeting them live, seeing you, seeing you live. Yeah, exactly. They may be deeply disappointed, but uh, <laughs> it's going to be a great thing. So we're all learning to adapt, right? We're all trying to figure this out. And one of the challenges that we face in times like these is that we can lose our focus, yeah. that, that we focus... Um, on that we need to remember to focus on the things that matter. Right, exactly. And so Paul offers some insights to the church in Corinth. He was writing letters to this church, and he had this to say about focus, and it's going to be up on the screen. It's from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it's verses 17 and 18, and I'm going to read that to us. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. There you go. That's, that's good news for you, right? Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. 
Paul says, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. I love that line there. Paul says, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. We fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. I mean, it seems like an oxymoron, right? It's this contradictory figure of speech. It's, It's like if, you know, I'm sure... Uh, a spouse has said one time or another, I'm not going to say to you, I told you so. <laughs> you see, it's, a, it's contradicts, right? Or I'm sure mom and dad, we've all said this to our kids. If you fall and break your legs, don't come running to me. <laughs> right? That's the idea of, a, of an oxymoron. And so Paul says we fix our gaze on things that we can't see. How do you see something that you can't see? It's, yeah, that's kind of the story of the church, though. Um, I've told the story a thousand times, but the church really had its birth for me uh, not 30 years ago, but more like 32 Mm. years ago. Um, It was up at the Main Street Complex, right up the street from where the church uh, is located. And uh, I was on this construction site, Main Street USA, where the vision of the uh, builder was to recreate Uh, the main street of a community. Mm. And as I stood on that site, the Holy Spirit spoke to me in a really clear and profound way and asked me, what is missing? Mm. Mm -hmm. The unseen God asked me to look around, not at what I could see, but what I couldn't see. And I knew immediately that what was missing was the church and uh, so that was really the beginning, uh, Rick, of, of uh, this church and the start of this church and uh, all that God had intended mm. for us um, uh, to be. And so we're being challenged to see what is unseen mm. and uh, to um, look for the, uh, uh, the unseen things. Yeah, and this, the seen and the unseen is, is even, you can see that today in our online campus, right? We had this uh, we've always had or recently had a vision for an online campus, but right. it was it was kind of uh, I was looking at the possibilities of what an online campus would be. And then in March, because of COVID, we saw that it was something that needed to be seen and we made it a reality. Right. So where do, so that the question, though, leads us to where do we fix our gaze in this 21st century with so many distractions, with so much division? How do we find focus in a world that really has uh, uh, lost its focus. Yeah, challenging times, that is the challenge, right? Yeah. That we can, we tend to lose our focus. I've been thinking about the story of uh, Peter walking on the water. So Jesus walks on the water, Peter sees him and says, Lord, can I join you? Jesus says, come on out, Peter. Peter climbs out the side of the boat, he's walking on the water, it's mm. this miraculous thing, and his eyes are fixed on Jesus, and he's having this unbelievable experience. But then the Bible tells us that Peter began to focus on the wind and the waves. And as soon as that became his focus, he began to drown. That's what a great illustration of what happens with us. Mm -hmm. That we begin to focus on the challenges, we begin to focus on the problems. So we're not being called to ignore these things, Mm -hmm. but we're not to focus on them because when we focus on them, that's when we begin to drown. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we need to fix our eyes on things that are unseen. 
to see what the Holy Spirit is doing in our midst, to see those things with our spiritual eyes that are happening around us, but they not, might not be uh, easy, uh, easy to see, right. mm-hmm. so that in these challenging times, we don't get overwhelmed. So it was in the midst of challenging times that we put together uh, what we now call five principles of community. And it's kind of a way for the church, certainly hope, but we believe that it applies to all churches, the church of Jesus universal, that in hard times especially, we need to focus our attention, to fix our eyes Mm. on these things that are so important for us as a community of faith. And so we want to go through these real quickly with you this morning as an encouragement to us um, as a congregation to fix our eyes on these things. And so the first principle um, of community is the Lord loves unity. The Lord loves unity. If you were watching last week, you may recall that we talked about three things that the culture needs from the church. And one of the things we talked about was a um, broken Uh, culture or a divided culture needs a unified church. Mm -hmm. A divided culture needs a unified church. That's what we're talking about here. Unity is so important. Mm -hmm. In fact, it was important to Jesus. In John chapter 17, Jesus prayed for the church to be unified. He said, Lord, let them be one. Let the church, his followers, be one, even, Father, as you and I are one. So the church when we're unified we can do enormously mm. important things together like 30 30 30 right. Yep. right because of the health of this church because we are unified together we are able to do really important things and bless so many lives uh, through our unity together mm-hmm. unity isn't uniformity So I don't want to confuse those two. To be unified doesn't mean that we're in lockstep with each other and we, you know, agree with each other on all things at all times. That's not true of this church. Never has been. It's not true of the first century church either. As you read the epistles of Paul, much of what he's dealing with are divisions and struggles and controversies within local churches. And he's writing to help them work their way through it. And that's important for the church to do. That's one of the ways that we grow and mature as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But we can't let that become our focus. And so uh, we need to address those things, but not let them become our focus. Each one of you is responsible then, as we go through challenging times, each of you is responsible to make sure that you keep the main thing the main thing. Yeah, which really leads to our second principle, which is discern what is essential and not. Now, uh, just a little background. Jesus taught uh, an entirely different way to live in the first century. He, he taught uh, that, we, that people should seek after justice and mercy and faith as higher priorities than the religious rituals, the 600 laws and thousands of rules that were created by the religious people of the day. And so when asked one time which of the hundreds of religious laws that they should live by, like really what, what this person was asking Jesus is, what is essential, Jesus responded by saying, love God and love people. 
And then he went on to say that all the others, all the other 600 laws, all the other thousands of rules, all the others are based on these two, loving God and loving people. And so for me, discerning what is essential becomes an expansion of this idea of loving God and loving people. So Jesus has, I know that Jesus has a unique and divine claim on who I am and how I live my life. And I believe that I am forgiven and have a relationship with Jesus because of his death and resurrection. So God loves me and so I can love God in response. And if you've never done that, that is simply uh, trusting God that he'll forgive you for your past and trusting God with your future. It's that simple. I also believe that we are made or created for relationships. That's this whole idea of loving people, that spiritual growth happens best when other people are involved in that process with me. And so therefore, the church is essential to spiritual growth and understanding how to love God and love people. And our faith, loving God and loving people, compels us to act in the world. It's this idea of salt and light that we talked about last week. So the challenge then is not only to figure out what is important to faith or and what is not important to faith, but it's then to decide how essential is our position on this. So the, someone can choose to disagree with me and I can choose to disagree with them. But if I'm going to love God and love people and all the other things in life are based on these two, then the tough question for me, the tough question for each of us is, how do I love someone who disagrees with me? Mm. What can I do to encourage my relationship with this person? Because loving God and loving people is our desire. Now, speaking of love, that's the third one, yeah. mm-hmm. and the way we state it is this, it is better to be loving than right. It is better to be loving than right. right. We talked about this uh, several weeks ago in another message, um, and it's, it's one of those that is so important that, uh, that we can't emphasize it enough. This comes right out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, where Paul says, look, if I understood all mysteries and, and uh, uh, all uh, things beyond my knowing, if I understood everything and had faith that could move mountains but didn't have love, it would just be a lot of noise, mm-hmm. right? We are called to love others first, That's the most important thing. And this kind of love that Paul wrote about, this agape love, is the highest form of love. It's a sacrificial kind of love. And he said that it looks like patience Mm. and gentleness and kindness and self-control. And it doesn't look like rudeness and arrogance and uh, Mm self-serving. That's the kind of love that we're called to have for one another. And so when we're in conflict, you know, this is what we're called to do. The truth is, that's really hard to do. It's not easy to do this, right? It's easy to talk about this. It's difficult to do this. And uh, so the, uh, the truth in our... Uh, yeah, so it's not that truth doesn't matter, mm-hmm. right? Truth does matter. But the delivery system of truth is to be love. Mm-hmm. So... This is a kind of a humility that, that I'm humble enough to recognize that I don't have all of the answers, that I see, as Paul talked about, I see through a glass darkly, mm. that our understanding of truth is always partial. And uh, so 
as I try to share truth, as I try to live truth, that I do it in ways that are loving. The times that the church has gotten this wrong have been mm. disastrous. When the, when the uh, people of Christ have tried to force-feed people truth, they've tried to um, demand that they believe certain things and act in certain ways and use brute force, uh, and coercion and so forth, it's always gone badly and it leaves a scar on uh, the testimony of the yeah. church and uh, it leaves people um, feeling distant from Christ. Mm. And so it's so important that we get this right. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Which leads to our fourth principle, which is we pay attention to our culture but we don't follow it. Now, yeah. Hope has always maintained a belief that it's important to pay attention to the culture. Yeah. We've, we are always watching what's happening in the news around the world and in the towns, what's on TV, what is what music and social media, and that will certainly uh, address and, and uh, change the direction that we may be headed. Uh, always asking, how can the church speak into a moment? How can, a church, how can the church speak into an event? And, and probably the most recent example of that, or at least the one that is most obvious is COVID-19 and the pandemic, is that we were issued this stay-at-home order, which was important for, uh, for our health and for our safety, and our response as a church was a digital campus. And uh, also, what we've discovered as we've been moving forward in this is that this is not a stopgap. What we're discovering is this is a real opportunity. So when we are able to be back in a physical location, we will still want to have our uh, digital space uh, as a place for people to find uh, out about hope and about and be engaged in our church community digitally. Yeah. So if we want to speak into the culture, then we need to continue doing things and looking for ways that the church, uh, not to do things that the way a church would typically do them. Uh, in Romans chapter 12, Paul said this. He was speaking to the church in, in, the, in the city of Rome, and he said, uh, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, Fix your attention on God. And really, what Paul's saying there is, uh, see what's happening in the culture and respond to it and address the needs of the culture. And the church through history has been the place where innovators have lived and it's been the place where innovations have taken place. I mean, it was the church in the 18th century that was the first place where kids were educated. Uh, kids were working in factories and they weren't able to go to school. The church saw this as a need that needed to be addressed and so they created Sunday school. Uh, the church has always been about this. Uh, homelessness and poverty and women's rights and the slave trades, the civil rights movement, apartheid, all, all of these things were influenced by the church and the followers of Jesus, seeing what was happening in the culture and then responding and addressing to the needs of the culture. And so our responsibility as the church and as the followers of Jesus is to pay attention to the culture, but don't follow it. So respond, react, and often offer an alternative. The food, our food pantry ministry is another great example of yep. that. We're meeting a real tangible cultural need. And we mentioned it last week, and I just mentioned a few minutes ago. This is what salt and light is designed to do. It's to guide and influence the world around us, whether we're at home, at work, at school, uh, in our neighborhoods. So then the, uh, the fifth uh, principle of community is... Um, we state it this way, through the Bible, God still speaks to our world. Through the Bible, God still speaks 
to our world. We believe and understand that the writing of the scriptures and the compiling of the Bible was inspired and guided by the Holy Spirit mm. all the way through, and that in those books and in those writings, we hear God's salvation plan all the way back to the beginning, the creation, and all the way through uh, the life of Jesus and the beginning of the church, and it continues on today. And we see the heart and character of God in this, and we see the human yeah. uh, side of this as well. You know, I've been doing Bible study uh, uh, recently with a group of guys, and uh, we just are coming to the end of a study of the book of Romans, and uh, it's been a great study, but what I have heard guys say consistently over the weeks that we've been doing Romans is, this could have been written last week. I mean, this is so current to our situation right now and that's the power of the scriptures that they capture the essence of the human character human nature because God knows us so well and it tells us about who God is and how we are to live our lives and how we can move uh through this life in life-giving ways mm. and uh, so we come to the scripture and we look to the scriptures to be our guide and uh, our, our direction mm. uh, as we go through life. Well, speaking of the scripture, we started this series uh, four weeks ago uh, with a scripture from the book of Philippians chapter 1 uh, and verse 6. And I think it's a great way for us to close out this series as well. The Apostle Paul wrote these words, I am convinced that God who began a good work within you, and that word you is plural, it's y'all, us, the church, God began a good work within us, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ returns. God who began a good work in you, he began that good work in you. God is at work within you as an individual. The Holy Spirit, when you accept Christ, the Holy Spirit is working in you, transforming you, mm. transforming you into the image of Christ for the sake of others. That transforming work is at work in you, and it is in work, at work in us together as a community of faith, working in our homes, working through this community to do his goodwill. Thirty years, God has used this church called Hope to bless countless lives. And I believe that it's just beginning. This is just the beginning. We are on the cusp of doing some new and innovative things that are going to continue to bless people who are a part of this community of faith and through this community of faith, continue to bless those in surrounding communities and beyond. And you're a part of it. Whether you've been part of this congregation for 30 years or for three weeks, you're a part of this now. And God wants to do a good thing in you and through you and through us together to bring blessings. And I pray that you don't miss it. Be a part of this community of faith. Find ways that you can serve 
and, uh, and be a blessing. One day, we're going to be back together yep. physically in this space, but that hasn't hindered us so far. We've continued to do really important things. The 30-30-30 challenge is just one more example of that. The ways people are serving through our food pantry, one more example of that. The way folks are serving children continues. The way folks are uh, blessing students continues. All of this work continues, even though we're not able to be together as a big group. Happy anniversary, Hope. May God richly bless you as you continue to serve him. Have a great week.